In the shadow of the most powerful city in the world, the Capital Golf Gang is on the air with instructor John Ronis from the Ronis Academy at River Creek, executive director of the Middle Atlantic PGA, John Gould, and now your host in Washington, D.C., Steve Zabin. Well, well, well. New year. Who dis? The Capital Golf Gang is up and running on this first week of January. The boys are here. John Ronis, Director of Golf at River Creek, and Mr. John Gould of the Middle Atlantic PGA. Happy New Year, boys. How are we doing? Happy New Year. Good to see Happy you both. Happy New Year, fellas. Mount, Good to be back. Mount Rory has fallen, Ronis, our boy. <laughs> it is such oh. Oh. a disappointment. My goodness. So he was on a podcast recently over on Sky Sport called Stick to Football. It's basically a bunch of soccer players. And he wanted to be a soccer player. He idolized soccer players growing up, as any Irish lad would, while at the same time being a complete and fanatic golf nerd. That's fine. So he goes on this podcast, and of course they bring up Liv. And the tune that he sang on that podcast is way different. Tell me if you can hear this audio. I don't know if it's going to be fed down to you or not, but here was Rory talking to the Stick to Football podcast. I've been, you know, for the last two years, I've been trying to fight the good fight and right. all this stuff. And at this point, I'm like, well, I'm at, like, I'm not that I've wasted. I've played well the last couple right. of years and I've done, you know, I'm, I'm in a good spot, but it's still... You know, it's not my job. At the end of the day, my job is to go out there and try to shoot the lowest score possible. Yeah. Do you yeah. feel like you're losing the fight a little bit now? Because everyone, because people like John Ram have gone over, people who were actually on your side to start with. Um, yeah, so I think I've, I've basically went through the last two years with this like altruistic approach of I've sort of looked at the world in the way I've wanted to see it mm. instead of just sort of, you know, going through life with three not with not like not that i haven't i've accepted reality basically like this is what's going to happen and you can say what you want and do what you want but at the end of the day you're not going to be able to change people's minds you're never going to be able to make them to make a decision based on what you say so i don't have i lost a fight i don't feel like i've lost a fight but i've just accepted the fact that this is part of our sport now and it sounded to me like nothing short of full surrender. Your thoughts? My thoughts are this right here. Right here. Money. (laughs) Money, money, money. And it is interesting money currently because where is the money going to come from? And when you take a look at uh, the endorsement situation, I'm going to talk to Terry about the endorsement situation because there's some guys jumping ship from some... Terry, Terry Riley is an agent. He's we, an agent on tour. Right. And he's right, a friend of ours. Right. And um, it'll be interesting because I think these guys are starting to realize where the money is going to come from for both the prize money, the PGA Tour, and sponsor money. It's going to be very interesting. So I think that they have to if they have to change their tune. Now, Rory doesn't have to work another day in his life. But um, on the other side, I think he's really mad at the PGA tour right now because he stuck his neck out and it got chopped right. and then stepped on and then run over. Right. Cool. What do you think? Yeah. And I, I think 
I think this is really about his friendship with Rom, right? He can't continue this vitriol against Mickelson and Poulter and all that stuff and then just go, oh, Rom, you're still my boy. You know, I, I think, you know, that's the way I see it. And, and Ronus is probably right. There's probably a money element to this. But I just see it as, oh, shit, this is my my buddy. Right. And he went. So I can't keep calling these guys the names I've been calling them. And therefore, I've been too judgmental. And, you know, maybe I saw only one side and, and you know, what we're hearing from them now. I mean, it's it's like the aging process. You just kind of chill after a while. You either get used to it or you just understand that I feel the way I feel. It doesn't mean you feel the way you the, you can't feel the way you feel. Ryder Cup buddy, too. And Rory yeah. wants to win Ryder Cups. He really wants to win a Ryder Cup on American soil. And without Rom, it makes it very difficult. He wants to so, change the rules, too. I mean, he said that yes, right away when Rom left. Yes, yes. So it's very change interesting. So they can play. I also was struck by old Phil Mickelson's tweet about saying this should not be an opportunity to pile on. Rather, it's time for me and others to let go of our hostilities and work towards a positive future. Greg Norman added that he was appreciative of Rory falling on his sword to some degree, and all that Liv ever wanted to do was to sit down and make them understand the value of what Liv's footprint, business model, and impact can and will be on the game of golf. Kumbaya. Those two are beyond losers. Beyond losers. <laughs> but they're as winners. Human beings, those they two. won. They but they won and they're being proven right. And they're extending some grace when they could have said, ha ha. No, they're not. Suck they're it. not extending grace. <laughs> they're not. In, in my that opinion, is that's, Eddie that's... Haskell. Phil Mickelson is Eddie Haskell a million right. times over. He's sitting back there. He doesn't believe a word he's saying. He's just rubbing it backhandedly in their face. Really? This is two guys, two guys trying to take the high road that are incapable of taking the high road. Correct. And sound. Okay. But Mickelson. When they make, when they say those yeah, things. But Mickelson has definitely thrown some fire on social media and on Twitter in this whole two year war. So this is the oh, most yeah. gracious thing he has ever said when but it comes fake. to others it's criticizing the tour. Okay. So you're saying it's fake. Why would it be fake? Cause they totally. want to bring, cause they want to bring Rory over. Is that why? No, he's no. gloating. He's gloating yes. his win. He's just trying to, Oh, to look good in doing and it so. Sounds like he's voting. Okay. He's not trying to take the high road. It's just who he is. He's just, he's just <laughs> it's Phil Mickelson. The Rory thing is this. He was up there, Ronus, in my pantheon of athletes. Yeah. And while Killing he has me. done he has done nothing really wrong or immoral, I just cringe like, dude, what now? Come on. And I think the biggest problem is Rory keeps talking too much. Rory just he, he, yeah. he should turn down these invites. Do you want to come on a soccer podcast and muse and wax poetic about the state of golf? How about no? Play. Right. Give limited How about interviews. Let's talk about football or whatever it's called. Stick over to there. football. Right. And Rory's my boy. We stood next to each other at the US Open. I can't say that if he's gonna switch ships here. I just it's really devastating to me personally. He said <laughs> if if all that was left to play was live golf, I'd quit. I'd retire. And now he's saying, well, you know, uh, it's, it's, he also said he'd never play. Yeah. Yeah, he said like he that's said, it. I still remember that interview where he said I still hate live golf. <laughs> right. It just so anymore. it's such a letdown and 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 I really and I didn't like him because of 
his stance against Liv. I liked him long before that because I felt like he was a genuine, not stuck up, gets it kind of an athlete. And maybe he just was too pie in the sky. I don't know. It just, it's very much a letdown for us Rory stands like myself to hear him say all this. He also says he was yeah. never given an offer because they pressed him on the podcast. They said, what was the number? And he said, I never engaged, so I was never offered. It would have been, I'm sure, in the ROM category or better, right? Yeah, there was, there was an offer that he might not have heard. Oh. But there was an offer. I mean, come on. There hyper, was an there's offer. a number. Rory. There was a number out there available. He said he finally yeah. spoke to Yasser Al-Rumayan, head of PIF, head of LIV, a year ago, I think in summer of 2022, he at least sat down and said, okay, let's talk. And he asked, what do you want out of the game of golf to Yasser Al-Rumayan? And he said that he felt like there was a lot of common ground there, that he understood what Al-Rumayan, you know, who's a big passionate golfer, wanted for the game of golf. I don't know how much of that I believe. I'm sure, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is some common ground on the whole thing, but the fact is, is they, they hijacked the PGA tour, which at the time was the only league that housed these great players. And the way they did it is completely wrong. So there's no way that you can say that the way they did it was the right way to do it. They hijacked the league. Now, when they come together and they put together a world league or whatever, will it be better in the long run of the caliber of players that we get? in the competition and for the players themselves, maybe, but the way they did it, they hijacked that PGA tour. It's unacceptable. Well, yeah. And the commonalities, the commonalities they're talking about is probably we want to grow the game. Well, there's a lot different ways to look at growing the game, you know, with, with PIF thinking growing the game means they make 10 million instead of 4 million to win an event. That doesn't grow the game to me. Growing the game happens at the John Ronas level at the club level, not at watching, you know, who cares if they win four million or ten million? But that's right. why I'm thinking. He said we had commonalities. Well, yeah, but yeah. they're probably generic commonalities. We yeah. love golf. We want the great game to grow. Well, right. yeah, that's two. Right. Define. In all honesty, those guys don't even grow the game. The guys on tour barely grow the game. No, I hate to don't. say it. They, think they, they barely grow they the use game. Use those words. Yeah. Well, there, there's a lot of like. Did you read the long Dylan Deathier piece, Golf.com, on the state of live? versus the PGA that went into great detail about a lot of different aspects of things? TLDR. I think I did, yeah. TLDR. You read it, though, Aronis? Okay. I'm a almost couple, positive I read it. A couple yeah. of highlights. I got the highlights. From, the a, highlights. from a ratings perspective, he says, it was no surprise the tour outperformed Liv in his first head-to-head -head season. In the weeks they went head-to-head, -head, the average tour viewership was around 1.9 million viewers. That was roughly nine times the viewership of Live on the CW networks of 200,000 viewers. Of course, they will not, the Live review, they will not, uh, they've stopped having reporting their, their ratings on CW, and they won't give away their social numbers and their digital numbers. So they can say, well, there's a different story to be told with our digital stuff, but they're not telling it because they know it's, it's a pittance. So they're getting crushed head to head. Secondly, from a financial standpoint, the PGA Tour has committed to them for the next 10 years, actually five years through 2030. So what's that, six years? Through 2030, the tour has $10 billion in contracted revenue, $5 billion from media rights from CBS, NBC, etc., and the other half from sponsorships 
with major corporations like FedEx, AT&T, MasterCard, and others. And while some of those deals may fall off or change, for the most part, that's what they can count on. The live, by contrast, is $2 billion in the hole. And they mm. have no path currently to even break even, much less profitability. And I was thinking, okay, let's say I could wave a magic wand and make the live tour profit $100 million a year tomorrow, which they're not even close. Ten years down the line, congrats, you're only a billion in the hole. They'll never be a profitable standalone entity. So the question is then, do the Saudis care? What do they really yeah. want? Is this genuinely a sport washing operation where they just want to get their oil money out in the world as a loss leader to say, we're open for business. We're losing our ass on this golf thing. But the next venture, which will be deemed acceptable because we're now in the golf business, that will make money. To them, this is giving away teas in the carts. Uh, <laughs> it's all it is. It really is. It's nothing to them. It's their their larger goals are to have a tourist situation in Saudi Arabia that is the best in the world, the finest facilities that people come to from all over the world. If you listen to the prince uh, talk on on his interview on the news, they have humongous goals in bringing the best of the best to Saudi Arabia. Golf thing and sports is just another commercial for what they want to do as far as world, really world tourism domination. Really? Tourism? And, and business. What is there to do yeah. in Saudi? I don't know. Tourist-wise. I've never know. been. Have you guys been? Do you have any desire no. to go to Saudi? I know they've got that no. cool no. island that looks like a big palm tree out into the water with all the luxury villas and the homes and stuff. Yeah. No. No. I, 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 just, no I just don't know. Like, you know... The, and, and when it comes to the players, the players are like, we're worth more money. Kind of, but not really. Because golf is still a niche sport. And Tiger made you guys cool. Tiger put golf on ESPN, on SportsCenter. Tiger got minorities to give a crap about watching the Masters. And they made you seem like your athletes with the other athletes on ESPN. I'm not saying golfers aren't athletes. I'm just saying they put you on a higher level only because of Tiger. Tiger was it. Like, I went back to think, who were the nerds running golf pre-Tiger? I mean, Tom Lehman, Lee Jansen, Retief Goosen, Ernie Els, Tom Kite, Corey Pavin, Tom Kite, Justin Leonard, yeah. David Duvall. Nerds! They're all nerds! And the European right. side, same. Longer, Ollie, Parnovic, Westwood, Poulter, Stenson, Keimer, it's a nerd parade. Tiger made them yeah. cool, and the Ryder Cup made them cool. But on their own, they're, they're a niche product. And so the old PGA Tour actually was a decent little mom-and-pop business. They you know, said, look, we can't force you to play X number of tournaments, but we're going to organize it. We're going to go from here to here to here to here to here. We're going to have a national TV contract. We're going to get bigger corporations, not just some tire shop to put up some money for pro golf. And you can make a nice living. They did the best they could. And the Saudis 
don't have a business. They haven't bought a business. They just have a pile of money that has hijacked this little roadside stand of a business in the bigger sports picture, the PGA Tour. I'm out of ideas. Very well said, Jay, but it is what it is, right? You get paid what the sponsors are willing to pay you. It's just like the inequities in in different sports, and it's inequities of payment, and it's inequities in different uh, women's versus men's sports. You have a certain amount that you're willing to pay for NASCAR or football or baseball, or the sponsors are willing to pay that. And there's a certain amount that they're willing to pay for men's and women's sports. And what that all flushes out to be with a charity component on the side is what they put out in their uh, purses. So I think it all really is is what it is. That's that's golf. You, you, you have the guy in his underwear sitting on the couch that's watching that, that's barely going to get up to buy the lifesavers that they're advertising. But that's what the advertisers are willing to pay for. And so it's the wide, it's the market. And they did have a nice thing going, and they they kind of are in the process of screwing it up pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I would say it, 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 exactly that. That you know, it's funny how the the everyday tour player now, not Tiger, not Rory, you know, not Rom and that crew, how much inflated their ego and their self worth is because because they play in an event that the first prize is three million, they think they're worth that. And I think Ronas had a good answer. No, that's what the sponsors were willing to put up to be on TV because Tiger's involved or Tiger right. has been involved. Right. Uh, but that's not me. doesn't mean what that's your worth. And then, so they get this inflated value and they think the tour's screwing me when I only play for $2 million first prize. Right. I'm going over to live because they care about us and they don't care. They just have an unlimited supply of money. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. They don't care about anything. The other, the other point that, somebody made and I said wow I never thought of it that way was the live tour doesn't want the PGA tour to go away because they don't have the bandwidth to run a tour of that scope and they wouldn't know who the good players to go poach are if it weren't for the PGA tour so so they need them working what they do I, I liken it to did you guys ever watch Breaking Bad a little bit Cool. Just nope. a little bit. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I, this analogy will go over your head, but I'll say it anyway. It's like when the biker gang at the end they forced Jesse to cook the meth because Walter White was out of the picture, and so it was a miserable experience. He had to do all the cooking. The biker gang made all the money because they controlled it and had the distribution. It's sort of the same dynamic that the Live Tour is positioning itself now to make the PGA Tour run these tournaments. Go to Greensboro. Go to Memphis. We'll find out who can really play and who's got some charisma. And then when it's time, we will yoink, poach them with our big pile of oil money, and you can go make some more. Thank it, you. Look, it happens again. every day. It happens every day in business. Look, sure. you buy another company. You buy a company because you want their infrastructure, which they've already worked so hard to develop, and you just swoop in and say, hmm, looks good to me, and I'm worth a zillion more dollars than you. I will buy you. Right. And most of the time that company is happy to sell. Well, in the past, the sometimes principals they are happy. But- yeah. The principals are happy. The family that started it's happy. The employees, maybe not so much or a bigger company right. might buy a smaller company because we like their distribution footprint or they've got right. uh, f- facilities in key places that we need for something else that we're doing. So yes. 
Yeah. All right. Uh, boys, uh, good run. Uh, we're going to talk to Andrew Green next, our friend, about the golf ball distance debate. That's next. You're listening to the Capital Golf Gang. New show, new year. Good to have you back, 2024. You are listening to the Capital Golf Gang. Four guys who still don't know the difference between red stakes, yellow stakes, and white stakes. Except they're all bad. Well, I can't go back to the public courses now. I can't. I won't. I mean, you know what that's like? It's crowded. The grass has big brown patches in it. They don't rake the sand traps. Not to mention the caliber of people you have to play with. We're back. Capital Golf Gang. First episode of the year. And we have a special guest, boys. Funny how life works out. Now, last time we met, on this podcast, or maybe it was my Zabecast. We did an emergency capital golf gang, right, Ronus? Right, Ghoul? Yeah. After the yeah. RNA decision for the golf ball and everything else. And we were all pretty much on the side of, at least you and I, Mr. Ronus, were like, this is ridiculous. This is the last thing the game needs, right? right. And we went exactly. through chapter and verse as to all the bad arguments for it. I forgot that our friend, Andrew Green, who joins us now, golf course architect, a rising redesigned ninja who's laid earth-moving machinery to the likes of Congressional Country Club, where he was generous enough to walk us around. Oak Hill, which got rave reviews of the PGA, and you saw yourself, Mr. Ghoul. Scioto, the birthplace of... Uh, the cradle of Jack Nicholas himself in Ohio, and Inverness, currently working on legendary Interlochen in Minnesota and Karsten Creek in Oklahoma and East Lake in Atlanta, and I'm sure many others. I'd forgotten Andrew Green listens to me. And so he sent me a little text, boys, that said, you know, I am actually building some new tea boxes on all these places, and it's worse than you know. Can I help bring some perspective to the debate? And I said, of course, I would love to hear it. Andrew, thank you for joining us today. How are you, my friend? I'm great, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, that was quite a uh, heated conversation. It was, it was not. No, it was not. Well, yeah, on our side it was, yes. You were very polite and humble in the way you said, uh, knock, knock. I, I am building some new tea boxes. You I would like to talk to you about this. <laughs> and I said, well, I would love to talk to you about it. I can't guarantee you're going to change my mind, but I will try to be open-minded about it. So with that as a prelude, all I was saying about the tea box part of things, Andrew, was on the distance thing, they're saying, oh, we're spending all this money on new tea boxes. I played, I bought, try, try to count the courses I played this year and some pretty notable ones. Boulders, True North in Arizona, Pine Needles, Southern Pines, Mid Pines, Harbortown. I went to Scotland, TPC Avenel, your congressional, which is looking better than ever, Bayonne in New Jersey. I think I maybe saw three new tees being built. And a lot of the ones that were back there already, nobody seemed to be using. And guys like Mr. Ronis, who runs a golf course, tells me all the things that cost money running a golf course. It's all expensive. So I just felt like the tee box argument, Andrew, was the weakest of the arguments in the distance debate. The floor is yours, my friend. 
Yeah, no, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, would bifurcation have solved some of this issue with the professional game or, or whatever this idea of protecting our legacy golf courses? Yeah, sure, it would have. But I think that ship has sailed with the idea that equipment manufacturers and the breadth of the game needed a bit of a reset. And look, I don't want to be accused of being the captain of the, of the fun police. Okay. <laughs> right. Um, chicks dig the long ball, right? Right. We all want to hit it further, but um, this has been a, an issue for over a hundred years. And there's lots of, of, of uh, documentation, CB McDonald, uh, William Flynn, Alistair McKenzie, they all wrote about, you know, Flynn called it the elusive pill. Mm -hmm. the golf ball that was going longer and longer and longer. And at some point, the game needs to draw a line in the sand. And I think that's where this is really coming from, in that we have to do something because the ballparks aren't <laughs> containing golf shots the way they used to, even for the four of us. And yeah, I'm pretty well contained. I don't know about these guys. Are the, are, are the yards containing <laughs> you guys? <laughs> So, yeah, but I mean, I think, look, there are even driving ranges where we are looking at redesigning complete golf courses for the sake of practice. And you say, oh, we use a limited flight golf ball. Uh, yeah, no. Sure. But I think limited flight balls put a whole nother issue in the game of when you practice, you want realistic feedback. You want right. to know how far you're hitting the ball. You want to see the ball flight. Right. Um, that's just a very small example. But when it comes to back tee boxes and protecting the major championships, protecting, right? Um, Oak Hill, we're, we're out of space, you know, unless the, uh, the, the country club goes and acquires real estate like Augusta, right. we're done. And right. so having any sort of variety across the game, um, asking players to test the entire breadth of the game of golf, uh, the best players, that's certainly an issue. All right. Ghoul and Ronis jump on in there. Go ahead, Johnny. You know, your first point is bifurcation was definitely the answer. Uh, and I'm wondering, I'm hoping, actually, fingers crossed, that this is really just a negotiation ploy from the USGA that, you know, the, the tour players and the tour and the manufacturers all said, oh, bifurcation's bad. We can't do that. Nobody will make money. This is awful. Uh, and the USGA comes back with, okay, screw it. Then we'll just cut it back for everybody. And I'm hoping – the only thing I can think of, because it's just terrible for the amateur golfers, terrible for me as a golfer, it's just terrible for all of our members at clubs and all that stuff to hit it not as far, that that there's still a comeback that says, okay, well, I don't want to cut it back for everybody, so maybe we'll, we'll, we will bifurcate and we will just change it on tour. Because it's still – I mean, it's still four years away, right, for the tour? Right. It's a long time still. I'm hoping. Yeah, I, don't, I, I haven't heard that, but that's what I'm hoping. First yeah. and foremost, I think we can officially agree that rising star for Andrew Green is no longer necessary. I think it's certifiable from the golf courses and the resume he has. So Fair enough. saying that, I'm not going to dispute anything he's saying, though. From my perspective, I understand the rolling back the ball. I'm going to back off here. I understand rolling back the ball, what they're thinking about. But why not just keep the ball where it is? And then you don't make every single ball that's on the planet obsolete. There's actually driving home the other day. I was thinking about, is there actually a conspiracy theory of the manufacturers of, if you do like Andrew said, a reboot, 
And now who makes these balls? Maybe it's just the big four or the big three. Or is there just the market of the golf balls and then a, consp- a, uh, a black market of, of golf balls that go too far? From a standpoint of checking golf balls and everything else, it just makes no sense from an administrative standpoint to have to change every golf ball in four years. If you just kept it the way it is and you built the tee boxes that you needed to build, you'd be fine. But to roll it back, because I don't even think rolling it back is even doing anything. I think 3% is nothing personally. And so at that point, you're just making this confusion piece by starting over with every golf ball on the planet. It's, it's to me, it's very iffy to think of why this decision was made. I really think hard about if the USGA and the manufacturers got in a, a room together and decided we're going to reboot golf ball sales. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And I, when you look at all the things that you could potentially look at, it seemed like the golf ball was the easier solution versus, say, a, a driver head size or a change there. Because the I, I think the amateur player, you know, when we all grew up playing the game, driver was the hardest club in the bag to, to hit. Yeah. And now it's the easiest. Yeah. Um, and so I, I would not want to take that away from the amateur player. I guess my my reasoning of or my um, ability to get on board with the golf ball is because the rest of us could all move up a tee. And I know you say, well, that just means you got to go build more forward tees. Well, yeah, you do. But if you look at a lot of the golf courses that were built in the golden age, the great golf courses of the United States, most of them were 65, 6,600 yards, something like that. Right. Um, You know, we, why is that such a bad spot to be? The other is the idea of, of where we're talking about a rollback is back to what a golf ball of uh, the, the Bellata ball. Is that what? Yeah. 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 All of us grew up playing that ball, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, we still had a ton of fun. Um, it just really is this dynamic of the, the further the golf ball is flying, it's putting major pressure on every golf course. It's putting pressure on safety angles for us to design. Golf balls are going further and further offline. It means that adjacent golf holes are uh, potentially impacted. It also means that neighboring properties are potentially impacted. And it it puts pressure on the decision makers of all these golf courses to reinvest and make adjustments all over the place that are, look, I'm making a great living doing this um but it's kind of putting some undue pressure in my mind on a lot of these facilities it so you i mean so those are those are comments that we would never ever think of nope it's not our business right i mean it's not we would never think of uh you know houses coming into danger because a ball travels six percent or ten percent further than it did five years ago or the design lines you know, that's the other thing about putting tee box back. You, you have design lines that are designed for these golf courses that no longer, it, they don't take a driver. And when you take a drive, I hate taking driver out of uh, major competition people's hands. I want them to have to hit that driver because even though it might be easier to hit, it still is the easiest to hit offline. Right. Because it goes farther. So all of a sudden, if it's just a mandatory because of where the tee box is and the design line that they have to take out a hybrid or a three wood, it is an easier shot to hit. So 
in that regard, you know, making the golf course or a tee box longer is something that the, you know, the original designer, I'm sure, was thinking, all right, you hit driver right out to this side of the dog leg and you go in from there. So in that regard, again, I'm all for it on that, but I really think they should have just stopped the right. golf ball as opposed to roll it back. Okay. I got questions. Andrew, what if this doesn't work? Meaning, what if it's like a traffic cone, this rollback? in front of an 18 wheeler doing 90 miles an hour. You going to roll it back again yeah. in 10 years? Maybe. My thing is if this has been a point of conversation in the game with some of the most intelligent, well thought, you know, people that studied the game for a living right. for a very long time. We have to try something. Zabe. Did um, did the old it, school it, designers who are talking about this, did they talk about stopping the evolution of the golf ball? They did. They said, uh, okay. there's a great article I can send to you by William Flynn in 1927. He said um, that the, the the architects would be a lot more comfortable understanding where the golf ball is going to rest. And he even went so far as to say, if, if something isn't done, there will be golf courses of 7,000 or 8,000 yards. And he said, for every yard is another dollar out of the golfer's pocket because it's another acre of land that's needed. Now that's a bit extreme, right? But in 27, a hundred years ago, that's pretty intelligent, you know, pretty, uh, okay. Uh, okay. A lot of but, foresight there, but guess what? The ball was not stopped. It evolved tremendously from 1927 till now. And what bad things happened? I would contend nothing, nothing bad happened. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's fair. But what do you say for, you know, think of all the dog legs that you played or you maybe you played as a kid or that you're playing now that you're going over the edge. You're going over houses. I don't know. Carrying if, a corner versus I, playing the golf hole as designed. I don't know what you speak okay? of, my friend. I am not blowing it. <laughs> Over dog legs. I am holding on, thank God, to dear life of my 245 yards of carry on a Sunday best. That's me, yeah. you know? I, yeah. I just think, I kind of think, see, like you say, the, the distance now, it's endangering all kinds of elements and we're running out of room. I know you see that because you're working on championship courses with elite players. I don't see it, boys. Ronis and Ghoul. I don't run into it. All I do is I see tee boxes that I turn around and go, well, I ain't playing from back there, and neither are any of my buddies. Yeah. And, I and, and as we talked about before, some of the most beautiful places are the back tees at these golf courses like Andrew designs and redesigns. It's, right. it's, um, it's a gorgeous, gorgeous now, vista because they are utilizing the – the extreme of the property. Right. And um, now, but I don't use those tees. I'm too old. Now, my yeah. argument, Andrew, would be for what you had proposed, which is bifurcation. That for the vast majority of courses, they don't need to build new tees. And so, therefore, it's really for the elite of the elite. But so much of distance gains, in addition to being equipment and the golf ball, is there are better golfers now. Ludwig Aberg is a prime example of a 6'4", rubbery, flexible, strong kid who's got perfect technique thanks to video cameras, coaching, nutrition, diet, etc. The state of the art of the athlete has gotten better. For sure. 
Uh, let me go back to what Rona said. The, it's interesting, though, if you look at the way most golf courses that were designed in that golden age and some of the classics that we enjoy, a lot of them were very dependent upon the placement of a tee box and the landing zone. And often they were 225 to 250, maybe 260, separating those two points. Right. And that's like a congressional. We moved high points that were landing zones further away from the tee to try to once again establish kind of a high point to high point kind of golf shot. Um, that's changing even for us as we play a, a golf course and how it's utilizing a piece of ground. And again, dog leg points that were designed at 225 or 250, even for us, have been outpaced by technology. The other thing is that I could name probably 10 golf courses that aren't hosting events that I'm working with that are seriously moving golf holes around to allow for 300 yards to go from the front of the driving range tee to the a rear range tee or a, a right. performance center hitting building. Right. You know, that that's where it's beyond just the best players in the world. Okay. Well, it's interesting. I mean, there, there is definitely an argument or a question of when was the sweet spot, Andrew, in terms of how far the best players in the world hit the golf ball. If you were to put a number on it, carry distance, what would that number be? 270? 290? 310? Yeah, so when I started designing golf courses in roughly the late 90s or 2000, I was drawing center lines at 250 yards. It went to 800 feet or about 288, and then 300 yards, 900 feet. Now I'm drawing center lines at uh, 975 up to 325. So in 20, 23 years, I've seen that kind of adjustment in how we're designing golf courses, how we're setting up dog leg points, how we're setting up landing zones, how we're providing a variety of, of shots into greens. Um, I'm okay. I'm kind of like Ronis. I'm okay if we stop here, but I think the message has to be, and, and I think Mike Juan said it, you know, we have to do something because it just, where does it end? Because we're kind of at a point where a lot of our golf courses have been maxed out in places. Yes. Uh, in a large part for major championships, but and also re everyday play at some point we gotta kind of hold so okay. i'd be good that 300 ish right i i'm good well we've got but i think 350 yeah. 375 starts to be an issue we've got rona we've got mr goal we've got a limit on the cc's and the driver right we've got a limit on right. the length of the driver right yeah we got okay. a limit on the thickness of the face and the okay. bounce back of the of the driver and don't we have limits on ball speed off of the driver that you can't exceed a certain ball speed off of iron Byron or else your ball is illegal or no. No. Well, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure of that, but on iron Byron, what they have had been doing was measuring the distance with a lot slower swing speed. Oh, than right. Current per people are. So they've increased right. the swing speed that calculates all this. Cause stuff. guys are able to swing it faster. That goes back to Andrew, my argument of these kids right. are getting better and better and quicker and quicker. And you sure. can't stop that. What do you do? Tell them swing slower. Ronis, you ever teach a well, kid to swing slower? 
All the time. All the time. <laughs> Teach would swing fast said. first. And then, but, right. and, and, you know, getting back a little bit on what Andrew said as well is, you know, the, the driver is now the easiest club to hit size wise. So, you know, it's one of those things that I almost feel that we have to keep the distance where it currently is so that they do hit it off uh, angle or a degree off center or whatever it may be that it can get into trouble. In other words, if they're only hitting it 260 and they hit it one degree off line, off uh, center or one degree off line, doesn't carry 300 and it's in trouble. It carries 260 and it's still on the you know outside of, of a dog leg or inside of a dog leg. So I almost like the fact that we're at this number right now because the driver face is so much easier to hit that it does need to carry a certain distance for those top level players to get them in trouble if they miss it by a certain degree. Yeah, but I think the, the kids are swinging so hard at the ball because there's no fear they're going to miss it. Or if they miss it a little bit, it's it's, it's not a persimmon-based right. <laughs> club right. like we learned the game with, right? Right. Right, but if they missed it a little bit with that same size and club, that it wouldn't carry out of play. It would just right. carry yeah. 260, and the, again, the line gets – the dispersion gets larger and larger. So, But, but these kids you know, also, I, hit, I think, they also I, hit a driving iron, which is no much bigger than a butter knife, 280 in the air anyway. I mean, like, they're just good. These kids are just yeah. good. So I don't know what they're good, but the, ultimately, well, face control, face David. control is is much easier with a shorter club than it is a longer club. Okay. So the longer the club, the face control is harder to to manage. Yeah, cool. Yeah, but Zabe, the argument you just made was that the it's it's got to be the ball and not the driver because if they're going to hit a uh, driving iron two eighty. The, you just take the driver out of their bag if we if we cut back the driver. So the answer that that USJ and what Andrew's echoing here is, it's the ball. So now the driving iron goes two forty <laughs> and not two eighty. Okay, well we'll see how much they dial it back, yeah. but I just don't know a if it's going to work and b what effects it's going to have. I didn't see the as much of a problem as Andrew does. Andrew's out there on the bulldozer. He's working with clubs. We're having to move things. He's making a nice living doing it. He's happy to take the work. But I don't see it in my day-to-day golfing life. Andrew, my, my big question for you is, do you think it's enough? If they're going to do it, 3% to me seems very minuscule. Do you think it's enough? You know, I, I'd, I'd heard from numerous folks they were thinking more like 10. But I... I think that was, yeah, say would would be ten uh, percent. You'd be tying yourself to uh, <laughs> to a box of Pro V's, I guess, or something. Um, oh yeah, I'm in the yeah. stocking up business right now. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I I don't know. I think everybody look, everybody in the game of golf, everybody, the the four of us, we love this game. Mm-hmm. And the last thing we want to do is do something that messes it up, and it's on an amazing trajectory. But, you know, when you take the money side, right, the equipment, golf ball, golf courses, professional game, amateur game, um, all the people we're trying to bring to the game of golf and trying to find something to do, this seemed like a pretty good start. And I think even through all the messaging from the RNA and the USGA is this is where we're starting. And yes, we know it's a couple year rollout. And by the time we get there, maybe we haven't even reduced it 3%, it's a start. Um, and I think anything more than this would have been an even larger hurdle. We would have even more 
to overcome them than what we have at the moment. All right. I would just say that I encourage every player, no matter their skill level, to move up a tee because I do think the game is more fun. Uh, when we go to Scotland, uh, my my buddies and I, we love to play 6,000, 6,200. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's about entertainment. It's about enjoyment. It's about, uh, you know, seeing amazing places and having a lot of fun. I think we could all benefit from that. Unfortunately, you know, the things that I hear in my daily travels are, you know, we want it to be longer, harder. Okay. Not sure that's the right thing. Uh, I think we've come off of that a little bit. And then the other thing is, you know, green speeds off, off the charts. Yeah. Both of those are kind of counterintuitive to the sustainability of the game. Um, so I just ask everybody to just think a little bit, you know, is it the worst thing in the world to move up a tee and have a lot of fun, enjoy the game, or do you still need to hit it, you know, 315? Yeah. Well, or do we want six hour rounds? Well, that's a that's a whole nother thing right there. Yeah. To be continued on the distance debate. Let's end on this. I got a chance to play your wonderfully redesigned Congressional Country Club this past summer, Andrew, a year after I got to play it when it first reopened. You were kind enough to give us quite a bit of your time to go walk around out there, myself and Mr. Ronis and uh, Ron Thomas. Ghoul, I believe so you were cool. absent from school that day. Correct. That's okay. We'll get you out there another time. Uh, thank that you. That was, was, you know was a mistake. I, know. I was there for the grand opening. You were there for I the did. grand opening. Um, it was really cool uh, for you to do that. And I, when I first played it, when it had first opened, I'll be honest, Andrew, I'm like, I don't know, man, because I love the old one. You know, I love the old Blue Blazer, Northeast Country Club vibe to it. But now I've played it again, and it has tightened up, and it has firmed up, and it's playing livelier, which I'm sure is what you had intended and envisioned the whole time. And I got to tell you, I'm really starting to like it a lot. Are you as happy with how it's turned out. Yeah, I've been really, really pleased with uh, the feedback. I think there's still some things that we'll want to continue to work on. Um, you know, there's uh, golf courses are living, breathing things, but I really am excited about hearing how much fun, you know, people are having. They know it's hard, but they come off the golf course feeling kind of energized at the same time. Um, there's a lot of thought out there. Maybe you end a little mentally tired more than physically tired, which is a good thing in my mind. Um, I love hearing that people have differing holes that they really like or are their favorites. That's a great sign for me right. that it's not just one great golf hole, but a collection. Uh, yeah. So I've been really, really pleased good. with it and look forward to the seniors playing it here. I got, is it next summer? 25. Uh, that, 25. Yeah. yeah. We good got the stuff. juniors there this year, the 24, the uh, PGA Junior Championship. Yeah, good stuff. Andrew, we appreciate your time today. And uh, what is the uh, next big course you're going to dig your uh, bulldozers into? Yeah, so we're nine holes into Eastlake. I'll be there on, uh, I guess, Tuesday. So we'll start the back nine. Really excited about what we have coming together there. Um, very pleased with the way it's it's going. And then currently working at Carson Creek out in Oklahoma, Oklahoma State's home course. Victor nice. Hovland uh, still lives out there. It's a lot of fun. So having a lot of fun with those. I've got some good things coming after that. Awesome. Andrew, thank you for your time as always. Great to connect. And uh, we'll touch base down the road. Look out for my 245-yard piss missile dribbling meekly 20 yards behind your golf cart. It's not going to hurt you. I can assure you of that. 
Fair enough. <laughs> thanks, Andrew. All right, thanks, Appreciate Andrew. You are listening to The Capital Golf Gang, Washington, D.C.'s radio golf authority for over 15 years. Gambling is illegal at Bushwood, sir, and I never slice. All right, final segment here. First outing of 2024. I have changed, fellas, the name of a quick nine to an emergency nine. We've all heard the term, right? Emergency nine? Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Played them. Do you know where, does anyone know where that term came from? No. Who invented it? I don't know who, but I'm pretty sure I knew what what they were doing, but. Is an extra nine holes after you've already played 18, or maybe even more? Is it really an emergency, though? If you have to settle a no. bet, it is. It, it's survival. <laughs> it's like I love golf so much, and I don't want to stop golfing. Remember the <laughs> days, Ronas, of playing uh, golf until the sun gave out on the yeah. summer after? Parents drop you off the golf course every day. Every day. Is there anything better than that? And nowadays, no. you know, you get to be an adult. You got adult duties and responsibilities. The thought of, no, I'm just, it's light out. I'm going to keep playing golf till there's no more light. It's such Zero. a foreign concept, isn't it? Zero responsibilities at that age. It was unbelievable, really. You just literally had zero responsibility. And I don't think we had really good shoes either. But I now, like, if I play more than 18 holes, oh. I'm like, oh, I got blisters. My feet hurt, all this stuff. And, and they're better shoes now than they were then, but didn't bother us back then. Oh, no. Because they were told, broken in. Yeah. That's true. I think, sneakers. Told, I think I've told the story before. I'll say it one more time. Uh, Chip Lippman and I once played Hernan Centennial and then drove out to Hogden on the eastern wow. shore in one day on a summer hall because we could it was like right. and we <laughs> and we walked both times and our dogs were hurting at the end of it because of course we had the big metal nails and so therefore you know it was yeah. like i never never remember taking a cart ever in my youth and i never remember my feet hurting it was uh, i it was just glorious i mean or your back hurting Nothing hurts. Those are the good old days. Drinking water out of hoses and water sprinklers. I mean, it was just dirt that I was drinking, and I never got sore and tired. Right, right. You can can still taste that, like, alkaline, metallic Metallic, yep. To good old uh, hose water. And rubber. (laughs) And, of course, you learned after a while that you don't drink the first part of it because it's boiling hot. Cool off. Yeah, that's right. You got to let it cool off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> All right. So our quick nine is now an emergency nine. And let's just once again thank Andrew Green for gracing us with some. Yeah, that was awesome. That was cool. You know, he's he's big time. He is. Yeah. And he's a listener. He, and he's a listener. You know, and the funniest thing was that I had kind of forgotten. He listened to my show on Fox Sports Radio when he was getting wow. his degrees in turf grass and landscape architecture at Virginia Tech. Because what's weird is I forget how old I am. I forget what a dinosaur. You've been, you've been all, doing this a long time. Yeah. Well, we're all yeah. dinosaurs. But so to me, I look at Andrew Green as a contemporary. I look at him as a colleague. And he's so much younger than me. 
He's so much younger than us. Yeah, in all all honesty, ever since that day we walked Congressional, I have a bit of a man crush on Andrew Green. I really do. I really do. I just, his brain, his, he's cool. He's very cool. And um, just to get into that brain and to be able to talk to him or anyone really in that realm is fascinating. It's fun. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he'll send you a note. He's uh, <laughs> Hey, I, sometimes you just have to tell it like it is. <laughs> well, the funniest thing was I just, I was cringing retroactively when I thought about how, what a screed I went on about what bullshit this all is regarding, you know, the role factor. He's out there moving T-lines back because ranges used to be made for 250 yards total. Right. And then it was a yeah. swimming pool. It's a different perspective. It, right. It is a different perspective. His, his perspective is valid. It makes sense in his world. He's doing his best to draw the best poles up on blueprints. That yeah, his, his perspective is global, and our perspective is what's in front of us right now. You know, our right. perspective, our, our individual perspective, and how far we individually hit it. And he's much more global. He's got a better look at what's going on in the entire industry. But I, as I thought about it, I realized, well, it's almost like someone was going to take the hit. It was either going to be the tour guys who were going to have to play a different ball. It was going to be the, the club makers who would have to get further restrictions on all kinds of stuff or the ball manufacturers or all of us. Now, you it. know what? Yeah. No, no one had the case now. No, We're all no going to get it. But what? No one had to take a hit. You just stop it where it is. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing. He, he was citing, you know, uh, tilling asked talking about the golf ball. Yeah. And I made the point of, so what bad happened? Like they were playing with yeah. gutta perches back then. You, know? you gotta, you gotta stop it. You don't have to roll it back. But again, it's just now, I, didn't, I didn't have time to ask him when was the sweet spot of distance, like what year. That would have been interesting to get. Like anyone that wants that says we got to do something, and roll back is necessary. Okay, tell me when was the sweet spot. What is the right amount of length for the longest hitters on tour? Yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is. I was watching some uh, some Ludwig Aberg drives from Kapalua with the shot tracer. Oh dear. Kapalua is the wrong place to do yeah, that. Yeah, Kapalua is the wrong place to look at golf balls. <laughs> Why? Because the ball flies a million yeah, miles. They average the like winds. 370 yards there. Oh, right. right. Hole. But but I guess what my point was, Ludwig Aberg's swing is so perfect. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. He generates it reminds such me of speed. you, Zabe. Yeah. Perfect, yeah. Af- perfect athlete, too. Yeah, that's right. a With difference. That, I mean, they're totally different athletes. Yeah, well, exactly. Big, tall drink of water, super yeah. flexible, strong, all that stuff. Yep. Okay. Yep. Speaking of that, hole number one, emergency nine. Tour is back <laughs> at Kapalua. Is it too soon, do you think, boys, for the tour to be going back to a place that is not nearly on its feet again after the horrible wildfires of the year? Uh, no. I just think sports is something that brings and unifies people to a common cause. And um, of course the common cause is to heal and the rebirth of what's going to happen there. Um, But sports is a uh, distraction at times and something that can round up the troops for a common cause. So I think um, it it can only, it can only help. Well, as an administrator, your thoughts. Yeah. The the only concern I would have uh, that they had last year, which I remember talking about was hotel rooms. They were using hotel rooms for residents to stay. 
right? And you can't kick them out so that, uh, you know, 144 golf pros and their caddies and their families can come use those hotel rooms and, and play an event. Um, so obviously that got taken care of. I don't know the detail, uh, but if that was still the case, then I would be concerned as administrator or as just a human. But um, it, it appears that that was cleared up. So, yeah, to, to Ronus's point, now you can use that to either uh, as a fundraiser or just to kind of give everybody hope that we can get back to normal. I think a couple things that point. Number one is uh, they need the money. So it is money coming in, obviously. Secondly, uh, it brings awareness to everybody that, hey, you may have forgotten about that horrible event, but here, here it is. While we're showing you golf, we're also showing you all the families that have been displaced in the land and the businesses and the homes that have been lost. Right. So I think it's, it's a yep. good thing. Poll number two, emergency nine. How much will you and or will fans in general miss Paul Azinger in the booth? The Kevin Kisner era has begun for NBC, although who knows how long it will last. They didn't name him permanent. They just said, okay, let's see how you do. Yeah, they could do some tryouts. Uh, you know, I've never been a golf announcer guy. I, I'm watching the golf. As long as they don't screw up when he's hitting a nine iron and they say he's hitting a seven iron, the announcer makes no difference. The same with the NFL. Everybody, they pay the NFL guys all the money. I don't care. It does not bother me one bit. They could be quiet and I'd watch it. Okay. Rose? I, you know what? I, I want him to, I want him to be like referees. I want him to stay out of the way, but I liked Asinger. I, I, I really think Asinger did an excellent job of, yeah. of walking the line to be uh, entertaining as well as really, really factual about what he was talking about. And he lived on that tour. I'm afraid Kisner's going to be just a Alabama Faraday and um, <laughs> we'll see how that works. This ain't no hobby boys. One of yeah. the great lines of all time. Hole number three, emergency nine. Three tour and USGA events are coming to D.C. this year. The Solheim Cup, the U.S. Mid-Am, and the PGA Junior. Mr. Gould, this was your whole design on Emergency 9. You asked the question, what do you think, if you live in the D.C. area, you're most excited about going to? Where's the Solheim Cup going to be? RTJ. RTJ in oh, September. Wow. I will be, uh, there. I will be marshalling the first tee, which is going to be really fun because that's where oh. the, everybody goes nuts. Um, yes, and, and I and I. So, so why are you there? Why, why are you marshalling? Everyone's just going to be screaming. You're going to be screaming, right? Yeah, you're going to hold up a paddle that says loud. Yeah, I guess yeah, I'll exactly. People running on the tee box. That'll be my <laughs> right. only job. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, I I aired when I wrote it that it was you know a tour event because the PGA Junior is not a tour event, uh, but big time events, major national events. I would say. Where uh, Where is the US Mid Am going to be? The US Mid Am is a Kinlock. And then the uh, the junior is at congressional, so we got three big time events, and you know I've already committed. <laughs> I'm going to the Solheim Cup. That's you know, but the Ryder Cup and and that those type of things are, you know, the best thing in golf. I think so. That's that's that would be my commitment. Even though I'm working, yeah, I'm working all three of them, so I'll be at all of them. Okay, can you Ronis? Can you watch the PGA Junior as a fan? Uh, yeah, you can attend. Yeah, it won't be on TV, but you can attend. No, I know. Okay, they don't have ropes yep. though. They just you just have to keep a reasonable distance, right? Correct. That's usually the way to do it. And remember, that's a PGA of America competition right. as that's opposed our to event. a PGA Tour sponsored. So don't sure. don't get involved in the live and the kids <laughs> and the all that stuff. It's, Ronald, it's let's go it offer is. let's go offer some of these juniors nil money ahead of their yeah. Juniors. I think we should. Let's, let's just let's let's, the kids. Let's you know let's we'll, let's uh, let's be like the bloodhounds to flush out of the weeds some talent. Right. 
for your boy some, Jerry some, Riley to future yeah. represent. You know, Capital we'll Golf Gang uh, and here we'll to take a percentage. Yes, yeah, we'll take a percentage. Right. We'll be like, hey, yeah. hey, Terry, uh, we were following this kid. Uh, you know, Billy Snitzenheim. He can yeah. tell you, I think he's a good player. Yeah. And uh, how about how about a little something something for us? <laughs> Yeah, and deck him out in Capital Golf Gang gear, so he, he represents yes. us. Yes, yeah, there you sounds go. Good. good. Hole number four, emergency nine. So you're going to Florida to play golf in the winter for the first time ever. Let me sit you down and let you know about a few things. Mr. Ronas, you are Mr. Florida Golf. If somebody says, hey, I'm going to Florida for the first time to play golf in the winter, what is the first thing that's going to come out of your mouth? It's flat. Yeah, same thing. It's flat. And half of Florida, the weather's not guaranteed. So Which, once you get past... Where, what, where do you divide the, the state in? I Orlando and south? Probably south yeah. of Orlando, but definitely Palm Beach and south, you're pretty much guaranteed decent weather. But there's nothing exciting about Florida golf, almost ever. There's like two courses down there that Except have gators. some topography. And gators are cool. Who are I the two courses? That. Like Black Diamond, Black Diamond Ranch is built around a quarry, which is Where's really that? cool. That's in uh, kind of the middle of the state, just west of Orlando, kind of. And okay. um, and I and TPC Sawgrass is the greatest course ever assembled. So, but yeah. it's in Jacksonville, so it's, which is Georgia, right? Yeah, I kept it's to North tell Florida. people it's Georgia. Wait, it says Old. Florida on it. And I go, yeah, I know it says Florida. It's right up against Georgia, and so. Yeah, I, I played. Uh, I played uh, a couple rounds with my buddy Spence down there, who was a former tour. He's club rep, former club rep. He's now in the baseball game, and we played two of the coldest rounds. Cold yeah. in Florida, and he joked. He goes, "Some of my coldest rounds ever have been in Florida because you commit to playing. Yeah, you're down there, and so you're like, I'm playing golf today, but then you don't know what you're going to get otherwise in the northern part of the state. Yeah." Okay. I was just down there exactly in the right. Orlando area and, and it was freezing. So during Christmas. So it is and, what it is. You know, you know, the we because we all consider we go to Florida in the winter, right? And and that's you know, we're ex expectations. Certainly it's better than where we came from. And the other thing is that the course conditions are not normally great in that time of year, you know. Really? So you get you can get some bad course conditions, yeah. Okay. All right, hole number five, uh emergency nine. Outing golf. Outing golf. What are your plans? For 2024, what do you like about outings? What do you hate about outings? I guess, Ronis, you're excused from that. You don't play in them. You just run them. Well, I do play. I play, in, I play in one outing every you year, do. and that's my alumni outing up at uh, Shelter Harbor, which is the highlight of my year every year, to tell you the but truth. But that's your former UConn golf team. Members. No, no, that is, that is fundraisers as well as teammates. I play with teammates, okay. but there are people who just love playing golf and want to play at that facility, and it raises money for the golf program. I just okay, have to raise money for the teammates. golf program. Is yeah. it a scramble? No, it's a it's a shamble. No, it's a best ball because they they expect a lot of us alum to come back. So yeah. it's fun. I mean, it's awesome. And so, yes, to, to your point, if it's priced properly, you play a scramble. Good, it goes to charity, and you have a fun time with your buddies. But if it's like ours is six hundred and fifty dollars. I wouldn't mind hitting more shots than just a scramble. You know, I'd like to play my own ball and see what I shoot. I'll, but I'll never, I'll never play a scramble again. Ever. 
<laughs> I don't yeah. care how good the cause is. I'll donate and I'll sit in the clubhouse. I'm not yeah. going to do it. It's not, it's not proper golf. It's not even golf. It's the dumbest thing ever. And it's not faster. That's the thing. The notion is, well, no, you know, the scramble's much slower. Right. No. And I understand yeah. why there are scramble school. It's to get your once a year golfer, your non golfer to play golf once. Yep. And you want, you want someone on their team that, that can get them through and, right. you know, shepherd them through. Guys shepherd them through. Yeah, yep. exactly. And, that's and I'm going to correct and it raises money. I'm not doing it. That, that, you guys do that. I'm out. Right. Right. I'm going to correct Ronas because he's going to play two of those rounds this year. He's going to play in the in our PGA Reach Middle Atlantic uh, Pro Am at Baltimore Country Club this year. Ooh. Uh, so he'll be adding that to his calendar. All right, I will. I will play in that. What's that? Yeah, I am. I'm in, now in charge of his calendar. Yes. Needs a celebrity. Yeah. Can't just have a run-of-the-mill middle PGA Pro. You have to have the celebrity of the Mid Atlantic PGA. Correct. Can't play That's anymore, exactly right. but I can talk. You'll you'll draw all the other amateurs in. <laughs> right. Right. Poll number six. What is going on with the pants at Capalilla, especially mm. with uh Hovland or some referee pants day one? <laughs> uh Jason Day had a pair of khakis with the word Malbon, his new sponsor on the right cuff word pants. This is a thing, word pants. And then he, he also had a literal clown pants the next day. Absolute fluffy. Um, MC Hammer would have been jealous. Yeah, they looked like corduroys too. It was weird. Fluffy pants with polka dots on them. Yeah. Which hey, they uh, got well, joggers well, too. You know what? They got joggers too. Joggers, pretty, right. Pretty. Pretty soon they'll be playing music out of the tees and <laughs> it'll be something. And you know what? They'll probably only play 54 holes and uh, there'll Maybe be a shotguns. team competition. You know, they, they, they might even have a league like that someday. The funny oh, thing is. I'm sorry, they do. Yeah, the funny thing is, is that poor Jason Day got out of the worst clothing deal ever with Nike. Nike finally tapped out, right? They're no yeah. longer doing golf clothing. And they were the ones that tried to make zipper shirts work. Remember those? <laughs> right. Like, right. You really think people want a metal thing, you know, yeah. bothering their neck while playing golf. Let's put a zipper in there. Yeah. And let's not um, worry about someone who actually has hair on their chest. On right. Their right. Exactly. So, so now they got poor, uh, poor Jason Day in even worse clothing. And I said to some friends in the group chat, I go, oh, that company's going bankrupt so fast. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are they doing out of the gate? Okay. Right. Hole number seven. Does a sim Hole-in-one. Count. No, sir. Uh, no. Simulator. Hole-in-one. No. Even if you try 2,700 times or whatever that guy did. No, yeah. sir. Barstool Jerry. Jersey yeah. Jersey Jerry for Barstool. Just played and played and played like almost 24 hours straight. 2,700 shots to finally put one in on Pebble Beach number 7. 108-yard par 3. God, he's terrible. But they made a big deal of it. They were trying to be like, yeah, this is a great accomplishment. It got a lot of social media impressions, but I, this still doesn't count. No, okay. sir. No. All number. Do you, oh, do you celebrate it? Do you keep, no. do you, do you no. frame a flag? Do you frame the simulator ball you use? No, no. <laughs> Tell them to go I'd, home. I'd celebrate it. I have a few drinks, but I'm not framing anything. I wouldn't All celebrate it. Emergency nine. Has public course dress code or dress codes of any kind 
died a quiet death somewhere along the way between yoggers and hoodies and t-shirts. Yes. I think I think they have, and I I kinda I hate to say it. I think they should. I think I think it's it's public, it's their game, and as long as they're courteous to those around them and um, fixing their divots and their ball marks, I don't really care if you're wearing jeans. Stunned that Mr. Unacceptable, yeah, John Ronis yeah. is saying, let it go, let it go. Yeah. There's gotta be some hey, standards. Would hey, you would you require shirts, Mr. Rose? Yeah, I think I think you can still require a no shoes, no service. I think you can right. just require shirt. Yeah, a shirt and pants. Okay. What about a tank top? No. Sleeves. Oh, okay. You have to have sleeves. Sleeves. Okay. Yeah. Sleeves. Uh, but you know, a... let's face it. Pat McAfee's doing a show every day in a tank top, so yeah. apparently it's acceptable in the world. But it's well, it, there's certain things that I think you're right that that we have to. But you know what? Getting back to what I said at the beginning, maybe no. Maybe you just go play. If you long as I you say hold covered, the line, hold the line. Right. There's got to be standards. There's got to be something. Well, the, I would say you know the whole world has gone more informal. I, I don't wear a coat and tie nearly as much as I used to. Uh, you know, I, I think everything has gone more casual. And well, look at us right now. Three yeah, hoodies. Yeah. Yep. We yeah. couldn't even bother to dress right. up for us. This was sent to me by podcast. Callaway. <laughs> so, I mean, I got Callaway. Well, yeah, and I think, I think Rona said a good point. You know, the, the courses, especially coming out of COVID, you know, we were like, hey, we're, we've got such growth. We're, we're not turning people away. We, we need to get them to play. And if playing in a hoodie or a jogger pants or even a tank top, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna get them to play. We want these people to love the game and want to come back next time. So, and then I really believe that when you're at a private club, you should have dress codes, and it's one of those perks of being at a private club. If you're yeah. in public, you're playing with tank tops and jeans. Uh, but if you join a private, a bird. No, I think it should be something that you strive to to say that I would like to be at a place where there are a little bit more conformity and a little bit more of the rules. Okay. And that's something that you, you, you strive for. I, I hear five farms, uh, Google requires pants, even if it's dead ass middle of July. That's pants. not correct. No, really? no caves yeah. used to be that way. And they, they, they've lessened up now too. Wow. So you don't even know the place that is pants only. Uh, I can't none. think of any, I can't wow. think of any caves used to be, I mean, but, but it's not any longer. Okay. I got five farms on my list for the summer. Probably. Pants optional. Uh, how about September? Tree. You can play in the pro am, Zabe. Let's go. Let's play go. with me. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. play with Ronus. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Get me, and we'll get two uh, listeners to participate as Is well. Is it a scramble? And we'll auction it off. Shamble. Beautiful. Shamble. Uh, you know we what? can do it, Zabe. Hey, here's a pro move. Here's a pro move because this happened last year with a scramble we were in. We just all agreed we'd play our own ball. Yeah, that's fine. We went rogue. We paid Amazing. the money. The charity got the money. We didn't care. We weren't going to win. And we just said this nice course, nice day. Let's play on ball. We did. If I we don't get there's anything wrong with that. If I'd we like get to do li it. listeners to pony up, there could be a good amount. Yep. Okay. You, you Finally, poll number nine, emergency nine. When you go to a very fancy trophy course, what is your golf shop budget for gear? Shirts, hats, balls, naked lady tees, the whole schmear. My boy Matt Ryan, he was next to me when I was I was this is my hole that I designed. And 
And he said he walked into a shop with one of our members at Oakmont and the guy dropped 2,500 in about five minutes, 2,500 in five minutes. I was like, Whoa, that's crazy. I have, I think I have like 150 bucks in my mind that, but I don't usually get anything from me because I think I have to walk around with my brand, my club, whatever it is. Um, But I get them for my sons and they love them. When I go to burning tree and they think I'm crazy buying a burning tree shirt, but like, it's cool. Yeah. And my, my kids think it's great. And they don't even know anything about it. That's so fucking. Yeah, you see. All this gear. You're like, hey, did you see I played Oakmont? Uh, yeah, Jerry. <laughs> you an Oakmont shirt every day. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have simple taste because like, kind of a little bit like Ronus. I've got what I need for most of that golf stuff. So, and I don't need golf balls with their logo because I'm going to lose them. And I don't, I don't prefer hats. So I'm, I'm usually, it's a golf shirt or a golf sweater. And that's it. So it's one piece, depending on how much that costs and what the brand is. And I usually go for that PGA discount. So, you know, <laughs> 150 is probably good. I don't even tell them I'm a pro. What is that, that discount? Is, um, you're not allowed to know. <laughs> that's that's a secret. You got to have All secret right. hands. Where, where do you stand on having a buddy say, oh, you're going to go play Seminole, get me a shirt. And then you wearing a shirt or a hat of a place you've never set foot on. I think no, that is a huge violation. Not allowed. Yeah, except not I wear Augusta shirt, but <laughs> I guess I've been there. Yeah, but I've, I've been there. I've been on it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's that's something we would refer to as unacceptable. All right, boys. Good run this week, and uh, we're looking forward to a full year of podcasting mm-hmm. the Capital Golf Gang, reaching out, talking to a bunch of people in the world of golf. Um, who knows how long these episodes are going to go? I know this one's gone way longer than an hour. I think those who <laughs> like the show are not going to complain one bit. I'm uh, working on some of the technical issues. We do want to have a video component for every show. It'll be on YouTube. I've got a lot of work to do on that, but just bear with us. We're up and running. One for one. We're 56 of 56. Yes. It's 52 this year. It's not, it's not a leap, 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 leap year. Leap, leap, yeah. 50, why why are 56? <laughs> Who knows? 52. Who knows? 52 for 52. You can't go 52 for 52 if you don't go one for one. We've gone one. All right, boys. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for uh, joining us as always. And thank you for listening to the Capital Golf Gang. See you next time, right? This has been the Capital Golf Gang. If you'd like the gang to visit your home course, send your inquiries to zabe at yahoo.com. That's C-Z-A-B-E at yahoo.com. And for free swag, we're all an extra large. So yeah, thanks for the shirts.